What up and welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 120. On this one, um, I actually get a call in from Minx, who is a fellow podcaster, beat maker, singer, rapper, artist, person. Um, on this one, we talk about, uh, of course, my Patreon, the merch store, um, her, the Minx show, minxradio.com, and then... We have about 20, 25 minutes of beat making talk, just, you know, kind of talking about that side of everything. And then on the last half, we do a top five favorite Nintendo 64 games. So uh, thanks for checking us out. A podcast with Mo. All right, and first thing I got to do, I got to tell you about patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. You can go there and sign up uh, for a dollar or more a month, get early access to all the episodes. As soon as they're ready, I upload them. That can be two days early, a week early. Sometimes it's been more. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Also, if you pay $10 or more a month, you could be a co-producer, put that on your resume. You can go to podchaser.com, put your uh, producer of that. If they have to verify it with me, I will say hell yeah you are and our producers at the moment are my mother powwow hurricane haynes marshall the dharma initiative bear and jay so um you can join them patreon.com slash podcast with mo also we have a merch shop um that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash a podcast with mo i'll put the links to both of these in the podcast description um right now we have t-shirts hoodies uh mugs hats uh, tote bags, I think. Um, you can get our podcast logo, the spinoff logo, and then also the Internet Friends logo of the album that came out last week. Um, hopefully everyone's went and streamed that a thousand times a piece so that we can get the plays. Thank you. Um, but anyway, what I'm about to do is we're going to give a call to another, I guess, podcaster might be the right word. She has like a radio show. Uh, it also has a podcast involved. She does uh, Station Head radio show. I think that's the the side. I'm not real familiar. They're not on Android yet, but someday I'll know about it. Uh, she has a gas or trash radio thing coming out. Uh, she's on Twitter at Female Producer. Her name is Minx. It's the Minx Show, I believe, is the name of the podcast. We'll ask her about all of this. She also makes beats as a producer. I think as an artist as well. Uh, so anyway, we're in a similar uh, vein. We do a lot of shit. So we're going to have her call on here, figure out some stuff about uh, what she does, and then we're going to talk about Nintendo 64 games. So uh, give me a moment to get her on here. All right, and we are joined here by Minx. Is that what I should call you? Yes, Minx. <laughs> all right, so I try to give you a little intro of all the stuff you do. So what are all the things you would claim you do? Well, I, I do it all um, besides production and engineering and just being a rapper and singer. I am also just like you, a podcaster. Right. Yeah. And I, so you have uh, the Minx, Minx Radio. I have Minx Radio. And then Radio. also mm-hmm. the Minx Show podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I did see recently, and we're holding this for about a week, but you have something new coming out, Gas or Trash Radio? Yes, Gas or Trash Radio with Station Head. And I was so pissed off because I was supposed to launch the website last night, and these idiots over at, I don't know if I should call them idiots, but they're idiots <laughs> at GoDaddy. They're not launching my shit, so I, I got I to gotta call them today as soon as I get done with you to find out what the hell is going on. Because I'm a paid customer. I don't play that shit. Right. Yeah, that's actually my next step um, in all of my ventures. I feel like I need a website to centralize it all so I could have my merch shop and my beat store and then my RSS feed and just everything in one spot. That seems like that would make sense. Oh, yeah. Um, like, why not monetize your hub? Like, just create a hub for everything and, and just get paid on your own traffic. Like, don't let anybody else make money on your traffic. Right. And one of my favorite parts about following you, so basically... Uh, Instagram died recently. They they messed up the algorithm, and I I really enjoyed Instagram for a while, but just no one was viewing my stuff. So I got on Twitter. I was like, let me check Twitter out. Within the first week, I found you. We became friends, and uh, I've been inspired, or at least learning, or trying to on how you do monetize everything um, because we do a lot of the same similar stuff. But you seem to have it all figured out over here. 
I'm telling you, I, I swear on everything I love. I tell everybody all the time, I'm just winging it. <laughs> I'm just winging it. I'm. Not, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing at all. I just. I just. You know. I, I'm one of those people that that like to research and read and hang out in forums and. You know, it's just if it's working for other people and I see the growth in, in their channels and, 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 and all their ventures, I'm like, you know what? I should apply that to myself. You know, I, I was very hesitant to even begin monetizing because I really felt like, you know, because I, I was in the car business. So I think one of the things that I, I learned from being in the car business is don't be afraid to ask for a sale. And if I'm giving you my intellectual creativity and and just all my creative processes why not make money off of it if you enjoy it you know what i mean right right and for me i've been taking the last uh it's been about 13 and a half months since i've been making beats like as my own original beats it's been a few months learning uh and i really enjoy it and my dream would be yes i would love to make more money off this stuff mm-hmm. uh, but it's just uh i will slowly learn that you know i feel like i'm at least to that point now my, my beats are pretty good i should probably learn this business stuff now look your beats are actually very dope like i i was actually when you told me like your longevity in creating beats i was like you're kidding you're you're lying you, you've been doing this your whole life you know what the hell you're doing right <laughs> and like uh our mutual friend cj jones on twitter he tried to call me a musician the other day, and I was like, dude, I don't know anything about music theory. Like, I wouldn't call me a musician. Shout out to CJ, um, though. I love I love CJ. He's, he's definitely oh, yes. a dope character. I like him. Yeah, he was on a few weeks ago, and after me and you record, I'm actually calling into his podcast. Yeah, so. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, you guys are leaving me out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we ha- eventually we'll all have to get on together at one time. We'll figure all that out. And you actually said you have some plans. I don't know if you I have do. them set down. I wanted to call it like five podcasters, one mic. And, that, and then I was like, wait a minute. That sounds kind of like trashy. <laughs> yeah, like everyone will be shitting in each other's mouth or whatever. You know, <laughs> exactly. Just talking shit. I would definitely say that. <laughs> right. Yeah, we could do it. Um, this morning, actually, because you're a beat maker and producer person, uh, I actually had someone hit me up. Or you, You're on Instagram, so you may have seen there's this guy that will hit up everyone and be like, KE on the track really messes with you. They really want to mess with you. You should email them right now sort of thing, right? Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And some guy was bragging about it, like, oh, this producer's wanting to make my beats for me. And I, so I kind of hit him. I was like, hey, man, uh, that's a scam, and you should just look out for that. And then he was like, well, will you give me a free beat? And mm. I was like, uh, maybe. I might give you a free beat. I don't know. The world just, everyone wants free stuff out in the world. Everybody wants free shit. Yeah, even even for myself as a producer, you know, a lot of people have asked me over the years, like, why don't you have a beat store? Like, you know, why, why don't you like advertise your beats and, and sell them? And, you know, you're like you make beats. I make beats. CJ makes beats like a lot of us like we create beats for our own ideas. And it's kind of hard to make a beat for somebody else when it comes to, you know, just throwing it up in a store because a lot of people may not like my shit. They, they may say, yo, this shit sounds like it's like like I got one comment one time. This is why I, I stopped uploading beats to SoundCloud. Somebody said this sounds like like a, a a boss music for like fucking like Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was like, what the fuck kind of compliment? Or or is that a diss? I, I didn't know. So I was like, uh, that's Well, hey, that's someone got up. paid for the Sonic boss music. <laughs> so that's good. You got to think of it that way. Um, I, I honestly have a beat store because a friend of mine I had on a long time ago and he makes, uh, you know, a consistent amount of money selling beats every month. That's his little side hustle. And I personally, as a rapper, listen to his beats. And I was like, I don't really like them. Like, they don't vibe with me. Like, I'm not hating on his ability. He's good at it. But they're not things I would choose. And he was telling me, he's like, dude, the ones I hate the most are the ones that sell. That's what it always seems like. And the I've sold one beat in my beat store. And it's the one that I would have thought I never would have sold. <laughs> and so basically all I do is I make, I make a lot of beats. So I just keep a lot in the folder for me. I have like a folder of mine and then a folder of anyone else who wants them can have this. And then I've been, you know, trying to upload to my beat store basically to try to get my traffic, uh, you know, my followers and all that stuff up. Yeah, because um, people, people have to know like, you know, like your style, like kind of like. When you know when Timberland throws a beat up, you know it's a Timberland beat, and you know right. it's it's just like creating your, you know your your own definition of your production quality and ability. 
Um, now, I will say this last year from June through December, I put up three beats a week, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I think next year I'm just going to do one beat a week. I'm going to slow it down because I already have like a catalog now, so I don't feel like the pressure to oh yeah build it up you know what i mean we, we should be we should be doing like more challenges and stuff and, and inspiring people to participate like I, oh, yeah. my, my, my dad and i we, we do like this little fun thing because you know he's also a producer and the way that he was helping me hone my skills is that he would build uh an entire session but with no sounds so like for instance he would import his own kick. He would import his own snare. He would import his own melody, like the the sound for the melody, like the pads and stuff like that. And then he right. would send it to me and he would say, look, everything that's on this board, you need to create a beat out of it and you can't add or take anything out. So that was like pretty much like putting me on the spot, like because that was his test. You know, he was like, you know, you you say you're a producer and you get picked up by industry people and they bring you to the lab and they're like, build a song with this. So I was like, ah, aha, I see. Right. And <laughs> what I've been, uh, I hate to like brag ever. It's just not my, my style. But within the last 48 hours, I have been having a lot of moments of like, man, I'm just, I've really progressed a long way in a year. You know, like I know things that I never would have thought I even knew. And I, it's something that I know them. I just, I do them naturally. Right. Like I remember Busy Works Beats for anyone who has never, ever produced Honestly, check out BusyWorks Beats on YouTube. He's just so slow, and the videos are so long that anyone can follow him. And I started with that, and he would say stuff like, just let your ear tell you what note to play. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. But now, I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want this noise. It's this note. And I don't actually know music theory, so it's just kind of like a feel, you know, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Because the hardest part about putting a beat together is... You know, everyone's like, oh, it's 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 so like easy. And I'm like, no, the hardest part is trying not to sound like another person. Right. Or or the whole uh, I used to hear this a lot in tutorial videos when I was starting out of you got to build pressure and then release, mm-hmm. build the pressure and then release. And then I start listening to my beats. I'm like, I do that every time. And mm-hmm. I don't even you don't even think about it, you know, after a while. So um, it's it's pretty cool the way all that works. And then you mentioned a challenge, something I did this year, and it was a huge deal for me, is I did a hundred beat challenge at the first half of the year. So oh, I remember I, you 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 were you were talking about that. Right. I uh I made a hundred beats before I ever released anything. Mm. So I stopped releasing any beats and then I just made a hundred beats. So after I made fifty, I stopped and made videos for them all, and then I uploaded them. But I didn't put a date, and then I made fifty more, and those are the ones that are still coming out now. Or actually, oh, they just wow. they just stopped coming out. I guess about a month ago. And then when I was like, "Oh, I need to finish out the year," I hurried up and made like thirty more. Um, <laughs> but just my progression from the beginning to the end was crazy. Um, the way I noticed, I actually went back and saved all my MIDI files from like all the sessions I really liked. So now the other day I had a friend over here and I made a beat in five minutes because I just started dropping all my old MIDI files in and it all just fit perfectly. And I was like, oh, this is so crazy. Oh, Um, wow. So I just think it was quite a challenge. A lot of my producer friends are like, how can you not release anything and just have all these beats sitting there? And I'm like, I feel you. And I think my computer is going to crash every day and I'm going to lose it. But Oh my um, gosh, I have like... (laughs) A whole terabyte, like, full of beats that I've carried with me. Like, I've been doing this since I was 16. I'm 33. So there's a huge evolution of different beats. Like, I still have the first beat I ever made. And I keep it and I listen to it, like, here and there just so I can remind myself how far I've come with, you know, no reverb and, you know, just a a simple clap from FL Studio. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just had no direction. I knew nothing about making beats and... You know, to participate in challenges now, like from as far as I've come, I, I think I, I would have been a lot more hesitant back then because the whole stigma of being a female producer, you know, I'm like, I, I'm a producer. I do all the stuff that guys like are not used to women doing. And, and I guess that's because I'm a tomboy. I, I hate that term. But, you know, I just never really got up with girls and shit like that. You know, I didn't do like girls wanted to play double dutch i was playing basketball i was running drills and football and shit so to get into production and 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 be in that that whole lane as a female producer it's just it's a lot harder to get heard you know you know i got my beefs with beef stars and shit like that right <laughs> um I, i'm not even gonna call them beat stars they're beat kings because that's what they originally were but um 
you know, I, I take my hat off to anyone that participates in any challenges like that. That's like, that's a lot of anxiety for me. <laughs> I would definitely say that's a lot of anxiety for me, but I, w- I would totally like, like do something like that. Like, do you, do you know if they're having another one? Um, I don't know. See that I kind of did that all on my own. Um, as far oh, as the hundred beat challenge. Oh, you did that on your own. Oh, well, I thought this was a, I thought this was like a nationwide thing that I missed out oh, no. on. <laughs> oh no, no. This oh, was you just may have me. started something. You may have started. And then something. was like, hey, if anyone wants to join, but no one did. Uh, <laughs> and really, my whole I didn't plan on releasing all of them. And then I was trying to also keep track of what what my percentages were because mm. I one thing I actually am good at as a beat maker I will say is I'm good at finishing. Like, if I start a song, I can pretty much get it to something decent at the end, right? And I have a lot of friends that are like, I have thousands of unfinished songs. I'm like, I do not, you know. Oh, my God. I'm one of those people. See, I'm. if it's not that good, I'm just like, delete it. Scrap it. I don't I don't know. You know but what I'm it pretty is good too, at finishing it. it. It's <laughs> like, like, I don't know if you're a parent or anything, but, like, when you're a parent and you're in a situation where you have to be, like, creative, like, Kind of like back in the day when we had FL Studio and it was like the free version. And it's like you you were more motivated to finish that track because you d- you couldn't save like the file. You only could export like the wave or the MP3 of the session. Right. So you, you were on a time sensitive type of thing. But when you're a parent, you know, and you're married and you have to do like it's like they don't understand you know like i'm fucking working on something like you can't come off like that because then you you know you're wrong but you know when i was single and i had no kids and you know i it was just me i was able to lock myself in a studio for six months and just work on shit you know what i mean right but now like like we're also mobile now we have our home studios we we do whatever so you become more lazy you know and i i feel like getting back into that studio element because that's my plan for next year i i want to get into like back into the studio because i feel like i'm getting lazy you know not being around that element um but when when you when you like have to finish a project and you just like you have to be committed to it it's like everybody else around you just doesn't give a fuck they're like okay well i'm hungry or okay well the baby needs right this, or, okay well we need to go to <laughs> the store and i'm like fuck you i got shit to do bruh <laughs> you know what i mean right and that's pretty accurate. Uh, I cook all the meals um, in my house. You know, I'm not complaining at all about that. That's just, that's just what I do. And uh, so there will be times I'm in the middle of a making a beat. My wife's like, so when are we going to eat? Like, aren't you cooking? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to stop so I can cook. <laughs> yeah, you know? like, oh, man, like, oh, shit, I forgot you had to eat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because when you're in the zone, you know, you just don't think about it. You're like, it's whatever. I'll eat in a minute. Um I will say one thing, though, what people need to stop doing, like, and and, and hopefully like the whole world here is this, this, this shit. Y'all need to stop fucking telling musicians that are working on shit that they're selfish because they're trying to finish something. That's just like so fucked up. You put us between a rock and a hard place, you know, because we're trying to please our fans and please our family because no one's crying when the money's coming in. I'll tell you that much. I just want to get that off my chest because that shit pisses me off. See, that's why I need the money to come in, so I can use that excuse right there. So I'm like, hey, now, you're not crying when the money comes in. Yeah, like, um, you're not crying. When, like, that's what I, I say to my man. Like, I was like, guess who bought coffee today? They're like, who? He's like, who? I'm like, oh, the Make Show Podcast bought you coffee, bitch. Like, what's good, eh? You know, yeah. like, every everybody, like, that, you know, my friends, my family, people that are not really supportive, like, this is why I always have to sit there and say, I have this many people supporting me, and with the whole monetization and having subscriber based uh like our patreons for instance right this is how we could keep track on who's really supporting us like i'd be telling artists all the time like yo you're crying about your friends and family or you're trying to show off all these thousands and thousands of subscribers thousands and thousands of followers how many of those people can you give ask them to give you a dollar a month and then let's talk you know what i mean like that that's just reality that's just the facts right well and to be honest i think a lot of rappers um they're crazy to think their friends should care as much. And the reason why I think that is because I know people that try to rap or make beats or do stuff that I'm like, I don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, it's not my shit. So I don't necessarily expect that out of people. I'm like, if you like it, that's awesome. And I hope you do. But mm-hmm. if you didn't, I don't want you to go listen to my stuff. If it's not your thing. I don't know. But you know, what's about your music. Like I know, like when you, you had tweeted something that actually made me want to listen to it. And this is way before you you became my Patreon member. Right. And you said that your fans, they all like, you know how you got your fan base that tells you, oh, I like I like where you're going with your, your new sound or whatever. You said that your fans were saying that your music was too like, like a downer. Yes. And I was like, 
I got to hear it then because I like downer music. I'm sorry. I just, that's just my thing. Like, and I listened right. to it. And I was like, I don't really consider it like downer. Like, I just feel like it's reality. Like some people go through different shit. I can ident- I could identify with like your music with my life. I could identify with it. So, so yeah, like I, that was way before all of that shit. I was like, oh, let me, he said that his fans are saying this. Let me hear it. And I became a fan. I was like, I like your style. That, that shit is hot. Right. And my only real fan um, is like my best friend. He likes all my upbeat stuff because I, I love Lil Wayne, right? Like I grew up just loving Lil Wayne. And so I'm pretty good at doing that style. But the I haven't in a long time, right? So Internet Friends, which at the time of this coming out, came out about a week ago. It has a few songs that are more upbeat and me trying to be more fun, if you will. But mm-hmm. I'm not really a fun person. So I don't think those songs are very authentic. So I like don't, it's it's not like it's not you like it's like you're you're saying that because I have to listen to it myself because I, I got to start reviewing albums and stuff for the new website. Right. Um, But it, it, I always say, like, don't change. Like, you know, people are going to say like they don't like something and or they don't like your changes with what you're doing. Like people have told me for years they didn't they liked me better singing than rapping. And I just still did what I wanted to do. So. Right. To make, the, to make it the best of both worlds, I just said, fuck it, I'm going to do both. You know what I mean? Exactly. So to me, that's what I'm okay with doing it all. You know, I'm like, I'll make some sad stuff and I'll make some upbeat stuff. My challenge is making upbeat beats because I think beats are pretty personal. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's easy to write fake lyric. Or for a lot of rappers, it is, I guess. You know, like, you can put whatever on the page and not necessarily feel it that day. Um, but a beat, I think whatever you're playing there is your melody or whatever you're feeling it comes from more of your personality. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Or everyone has their own groove, you know, that they find. So it's just hard for me to find an upbeat groove. I haven't learned that yet, you know. So uh, I don't make too many happy beats. So therefore, I haven't been making too many happy songs. Define happy. Like like uh, dance record or like. Yeah, I would say, I guess, more like a dance record-ish stuff, you know. Um probably have more like of a house inspired feel to it, which l- lately I've been trying to look up what makes house music. Cause I just don't get techno music, you know, or techno versus house versus dubstep. I was like, I have to figure all this out cause I have it on the podcast. Um, and so I've been trying to incorporate some stuff, but to me, this, the feelings I get when I hear my beats are normally like, Oh yeah, this is kind of a, a downer, <laughs> but yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So some of my beats make me sad for some reason. And when I made it, I wasn't feeling sad. And I think that's like the most strangest thing. You know, I guess I, I I'm, I'm more of like an empath producer. Like I, I, an empath, like I have a lot of empathy. So I create based on what I see on the timeline. So if I, if I read a thread about somebody's boyfriend that cheated on them and you know, it's like, oh my God, they're so heartbroken. I have to create a beat around that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I'm not personally experiencing that. So, like, when everything is going perfect in your life, like, I'm not going to say perfect, but when everything's going well in your life and you become that person that somebody will reach out to and say, hey, can you make me a beat that's like angry? And, you know, and I'm like, but I don't feel that way. So I, I can't create that. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? For sure. And, um, one other thing you said earlier, so I'll just touch on that we can move on, I guess, past this producing talk, even though I enjoy it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> They're going to have to love it, too. F them. F them. The reason why I actually I think I got pretty good at finishing tracks is my challenge personally to myself is almost every day on my lunch break, I have one hour. And if I can, I try to get as much of a song done as I can while I'm eating my sandwich at lunch, you know, and I'm like, all right, add this in and add this in. And I don't always finish it. Um, but when I get home from work, I'll try to keep that in my mind and I'll try to finish up the beat. So I do think something like that is put a lot of, I put a like random pressure on myself to be like, Ooh, I wonder if I can get one done today. And I feel productive that way. And then I also, a lot of producers I see, they talk about how they stay up so late. You know, I was up till 4am working on this beat. That doesn't happen. Like I'm an, I'm 31. So we're relatively the same age. Typically, like I'm in bed because like I have to get up and go to work in the morning, and so does my wife. And so, if I was up till four a.m., she would be pissed. So mm. I'm like, oh, it's nine, ten o'clock. All right, I'll I'll save everything, and you know, and I need to see her. I can't not see my wife. You know, <laughs> like I got to spend yeah. some time with her. So a lot of times I see producers complaining about we're like the best ideas come at four a.m. And I'm like, I don't know. I'll be on my lunch break and come up with something. Where I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. 
So. Yeah, that's that's why like with the garage band on my phone, like it's wherever, whenever, you know, I I do that. I might need to get that because what I've been looking for is I just want a MIDI maker, just something I can mess around with and make little MIDIs and save because that would be so awesome to have MIDI files just saved that I could export and use somewhere else. I don't know if it exists, but I'm sure it does. Or you may have created something and they're going to make millions off of it. If you don't patent it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> See, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never thinking the right way here. Um, <laughs> All right, so if you have any questions, suggestions, or corrections, please email us at a podcast with Mo. That is a p o d c a s t w i t h m o at gmail.com. Perfect. Boom. So, the other main reason you're here, and of course, we may have you on in the future to talk more about your stuff, you know, whenever, get to our little podcast collaboration going on it's gonna happen it's it's gonna go down trust me we are here to talk about also nintendo 64 games so yes i like to do top five lists because they're fun people like top five lists and i asked you hey what's your favorite video game console you said nintendo 64 i said perfect because you know i don't know too many other people who um like that console or had it or whatever so i was like let's do it and we're gonna go ahead and do a top five favorite nintendo 64 games okay so since you are the guest i will let you go first with what is your favorite my favorite out of all the games that ever came out is yoshi's story i'm excuse me yeah yoshi's story yeah i was thinking yoshi's island but that's super nintendo right so Yoshi, Yoshi's Story is my number one out of that whole console, you know, games that were there. So for Yoshi's Story, I will say I've never I played Yoshi's Island and I like it. But did Yoshi's Story come out kind of late in the Nintendo 64 cycle? Yeah, it did. Okay. I just couldn't I just, I just didn't remember it. But when you mentioned it the other day to me, because we talked about this a little bit, I was like, no, yeah, that's totally there. I just didn't remember it. I just somehow it blinked <laughs> on my radar. Um my number one game I'm going to go with is a game almost no one I know has ever played or heard of, but it is just my favorite. It's called Ogre Battle 64, and they have – I think it was developed or published by Atlas, which is like a Japanese company that still makes you know some Japanese RPG-type games. Now, Ogre Battle 64 is a sequel to some Super Nintendo game called Ogre Battle something else. I don't mm-hmm. remember what the little you know subtitle was. And I, it's hard to explain the gameplay. Everyone should just go look it up. It's like you're on a map, and you send units across the map, and they auto-move. But inside that little unit's avatar is a whole, like, five or six fighters. So there's, like, sub-menus and men- a lot of menus. <laughs> and I like RPG games, so it was just my favorite thing. Um, I really wish I could explain it better, but it's not. it's a strategy game, but an RPG game. But there's also maps. So it's like you're looking at it like a general sending your units places. I don't know. It's I crazy check game. that out. I've never heard of that. It's a very crazy game. They the only thing in that license that has come out is uh, Game Boy Advance had uh, Tactics Ogre, so it was like a Final Fantasy Tactics game, but with this mm. license. And I like that game as well. But this Ogre Battle '64, I've looked it up on eBay. It's like eighty bucks for wow. the Nintendo '64 game. I'm really, really considering buying it. And then, uh, you know, getting a Nintendo 64 again and playing it because I've tried to download an emulator. I'm not above that. And I've downloaded the, you know, a copy of it on an emulator. But modern controllers don't work like Nintendo 64 controllers. So it's hard to map the buttons correctly to play the game right, you know, because it was just such a strange controller. Mm. But um, anyway, Ogre Battle 64, for anyone out there that wants to look up a weird game, check that one out. And, uh, Anyway, so what is your number two? Number two would be, damn it, I would say, uh, I'm going to say GoldenEye. Okay. that's a, People love GoldenEye. I loved GoldenEye as that well. That should have been number one, but it, it just it just wasn't for me. Uh, GoldenEye was not number one for me. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember personally just all the multiplayer matches, you know, having the friends over. Mm-hmm. Everybody bought their controller and right, and you would rip. screen cheat. Everyone screen cheated. You know, you're like, oh, they're in the bathroom. I see the stalls, and <laughs> you would run, you'd run to the bathroom. 
I never ever played the single player of Goldeneye. That just <gasps> never happened. What? I don't remember once playing the single player. I just remember playing multiplayer. So who even knows what happens there on that side for me? <laughs> no, I, I was in my mind, like when I when there were ever multiplayer games and there was like a single player game, like I conditioned myself like you have to finish the game first before you do multiplayer. Right. And and I totally <laughs> respect that. I mean, I would say in other games I probably did, but. I, it had to be I was at a friend's house the first time I played it on multiplayer and just was like, well, this is the best. This is what we're doing. Yep. It had to be something like that. Yep. Um, but yes, Golden Eye, uh, definitely a classic. Um, so to keep it with the all-time classics, for my number two, I'm going to go with uh, Zelda or Can of Time. Okay. I, I personally like that one better than Majora's Mask. I know critically, I think these days everyone acts like Majora's Mask is better, but... At the time, like there was nothing that looked better graphically than Orcana of Time on the Nintendo 64. And you would go from little kid Link to grown up Link and back, and you're like, it's got time travel. And that like blew my mind. Um, yeah. You know, a couple years later, I played Chrono Trigger to have a, a similar thing. But I just, and I also thought the game was huge. I've replayed it recently. And it was like, oh, you can beat this game really, really quickly. Like this game is not near as big as. Or long as I I remember as a kid, yeah. Um, but it just it was probably the first 3D game that I really really got into. Um, so it just is always going to have a you know soft spot in my heart. Aww. <laughs> Good old Zelda. All right. So what are you going with as your number three? My number three would have to be the follow up to GoldenEye, which was Perfect Dark. Right. Um, and I've never played Perfect Dark, so. You're going to have to explain what what made perfect. Was it just didn't have the James Bond license, but basically the same thing? Well, I as a as a woman or a little girl at the time, you know, it was just a representation that, you know, there could be like a female 007 type of thing. Right. Um, but the multiplayer, there was a feature on there that I, I me and my brother and all of us like really loved was you could build your own team. So. They were different sims, sim, different simulants, uh, you know, people. Right. So you could select like, like, for instance, they had like revenge sim. So if somebody killed you, um, that sim will hunt down that person and kill them on your behalf. Oh, that, right. That sounds awesome. And then you had uh, my other favorite, which was judge sim. So the judge sim was like pretty much like, was your killing justified of killing that other person. Like, let's say they killed one of the other Sims or whatever. So based on their judgment, it's either it's going to be friendly fire or they're going to kill the uh, opponent, you know, somebody on their team. So th that was like really dope. So, you know, you couldn't pick like all judge Sims. You couldn't pick like you just picked like your top three Sims. Like you had coward Sim that was running from everyone. So that was like one of the features of that game that I will never forget. And that's something I really loved the most. You know, uh, it just was really a great game. Right. Honestly, what I miss the most in video games of when I play modern games is they just used to have so many systems because, you know, they, they didn't just rely on graphics. So they had to have all these back end systems and things going on that kept you kept you entertained and interested. Um, mm hmm. Kind of like, this is a tangent, but like The Witcher 3, everyone loves this game, right? They're like, it's the best RPG to come out on the PS4. And I play it, and I'm like, he has four suits of armor, and that's it. What kind of RPG do you only have four sets of armor? Like, it seems <laughs> like we're going backwards. You know, like I have like this huge complaint. And people are like, that's not even important. Look at the graphics. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, the graphics shit. graphics don't matter. It's It's the gameplay, like the whole idea that keeps you hooked on it. Right, I agree. So, all right. Well, my number three is going to be probably the most played game of mine for the Nintendo 64, which was WCW NWO Revenge. Oh, man. My friends used to play that. Uh, so, I couldn't actually... I don't really know which game I played the most. I just looked up all the Nintendo 64 games, and I know that I personally was a WCW over WWF guy. You know, that's just where I stood as a kid. And so I'm a, I went with that. And then I looked up Revenge apparently was way better than whatever the other one was. So I'm assuming this is the one I loved. Oh, and I think it's like the best-selling third-party game on Nintendo 64 ever. Like, mm. 
people loved this game or something. Uh, but I just love that. You know, you would get, I was probably 12 or 13, you know, playing this with my, I probably actually younger now I think about it, uh, playing this with my friends who also watched wrestling, you know, and you would just, it was a great multiplayer game. You could use all four people, you know, do your tag team matches, got everyone involved. Uh, the controls were really simple, but effective. Like it was probably the best control scheme of any game I played at the time. You just, you knew exactly what you wanted to do. You know, we take that for granted nowadays because every game basically has the same controls now, but back then it wasn't, you know, this quite that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I love the wrestling game. So I had to throw it on here. I don't like wrestling now, so I don't really play the current wrestling games, but back in the day, they, they were my thing. I remember that. I, I, I definitely remember that. All right. So what are you going to go with? For your number four favorite Nintendo 64 game? Mario Kart. Oh, it's a great one. Uh, I've recently went back and played the Super Nintendo one. Does not hold up. But the 64 version one, I bet does. Because at least it's in 3D. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember it. that was like one game we burnt out 100% in my house. Like competitions. Okay, whose turn to do the dishes? All right, I'll beat you in... You know, <laughs> I'll beat you in Mario Kart and, and then we'll see who does the dishes. You know what I mean? Like, that, right. it's just a timeless classic. It, it just settled a lot of a lot of uh, duels in the household as as siblings. I remember the f- one of the first fraternity parties I went to in college. I eventually joined this fraternity. One of the things I thought they were cool was because they had a Nintendo 64 with Mario Kart going in the corner. Like, if you weren't playing beer pong or whatever, you could also play Mario Kart in the corner. And I was Aww. like, hey, these guys seem pretty cool. Um, <laughs> who is your go-to character? Because that's always important. Yoshi. Yoshi is a good one. I actually go with the little Koopa, you know, the, <laughs> the no-name turtle. I don't ever know his name, but just the normal little turtle guy. Oh, yeah, Koopa. <laughs> so that seems fine. All right, my number four um, – is one when I looked up Nintendo 64 games, I was like, holy shit, I forgot this existed. But yes, this is on my list, which is Star Wars Episode One Racers. So, oh, yeah, it was like the only good thing to come out of the Star Wars trilogy prequel trilogy. Now, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, so I'm not one to talk about all the lore and stuff. But I loved this game. There was like 20 pod racers and 25 tracks or something there was just so much stuff to do you could kind of customize your pod racer uh you unlocked a bunch of stuff by winning tournaments it was kind of like mario kart but souped up a little bit you know in a way um Mm. not as cartoonish maybe i guess but i loved like rock and roll racing on super nintendo and these games that were like battle driving cars so the pod racer game kind of was that in that element you know and i I remember that I remember spending just lots of uh, afternoons at my friend's house being like, all right, you know, just trying over and over to beat races so we could unlock stuff. Exactly. I don't know if I would have the patience nowadays. I'd be like, fuck it. After the third one, I'm done. I don't like, can, can I, can I buy it? Can I, can I buy the next level? <laughs> right. There has to be another way you can get this. Yeah. All right. So what is going to be your last of your top five favorite 64 games? I'm going to say Super Mario 64. Yeah, that's most people's number one. I have a reason. What is your reason? My reason is because, you know, everyone in my family, including my mom, my grandma, all of us are gamers. And when my mom got us Super Mario 64, um, you know, she was the first one to play it. And then I felt some kind of way because I was like, wait a minute, like this is our Christmas gift. So, you know, go back in your room and do some other shit. You know what I mean? Right. So fold some laundry or whatever. Exactly. I was like, come on. Like she beat (laughs) Mega Man and everything. I I, don't let me get into that. So so in the first level, like I kept saying to my mom because she beat it. And I was like, mom, how do you beat this? And she was like, I don't know. Maybe you have to, you know, the the first one was Babam on the summit. Right. And she's like, oh, I, I think you have to go and get the bomb and bring him all the way down. So I'm sitting there at Super Mario carrying this big bomb all the way down the freaking hill. And she's cracking up and laughing. And I'm like, 
It's so simple. You just like I had to throw him in three times and then that was how you got the star. So she was right. like making me do all this extra shit. So I just really hated the game after that. <laughs> yeah. See, <laughs> I don't know how I avoided getting a Sega Genesis without Sonic. I got some weird fighting game that came with it. And I got a Nintendo 64 that did not come with Mario 64. It came with Turok. So oh, by the, yes. So by the time I got Mario 64, all my friends had beat it. And I'd play around on it, but I never got into it because I just didn't get it given to me. Like, everyone else just had it and loved it. And I was like, I have Turok, and I'm going to kill dinosaurs. <laughs> and I like... Well, well, no, nobody, like, I think towards, like, I, I also hated it because they said if you got every single star on every single level and all the red gems and all the hundred coins, then Yoshi would appear at the castle. And I've never had that that moment and i saw it on youtube and i was so pissed i was like how the fuck did that people get yoshi oh, you know i they? love yoshi See, i thought it, that was a myth i didn't realize no that it, that really it, happened. it really is true my brother beat it before i could so uh, when you know i i love yoshi yoshi's my favorite character right. out of the whole nintendo franchise so do like yoshi um all right well that's a good one for a five so at least we got to talk about it it is great it's a great game i just not the right place in my life you know when it happened i missed it um but (laughs) my number five is gonna be a game i actually only spent one night with i rented it and it left such an impact on me i went and took it to a friend of mine's house and i stayed the night with him and it was pokemon snap and pokemon snap i like i just love pokemon in general i'm sure i've gotten that in the podcast before i was just i was like 10 years old when pokemon red and blue came out i was like the demographic and they got me, you know, so Pokemon Snap came out. It's the first Pokemon game on a console that I remember. And I I had to try it out. But all it is is you're on a rail and you're taking pictures of Pokemon. And then they rate you on how good your pictures are of them. And it sounds really dumb. And a lot of people hated it. But by the end of the night, I was so obsessed because it's like, well, if you turn left right after this turn, you'll catch a Vultress, you know, or what, like some special one. So it was just, uh, I really liked the gimmick. And I don't understand how they haven't made more Pokemon Snap games. It seems like they would have a mobile version very easily. But. Uh, oh, shit. Now that I think about it, they did have Pokemon on uh, the Pokemon uh, Battles, man. That was another one. Shit. Oh, Pokemon Stadium. Yeah. Yes, I totally forgot about that. Cubone, Team Cubone. Yeah, right. Pokemon Stadium was great because you got to import your guys in and see them on all in color in the big screen, and then you could yeah, also. I wasn't, just... I wasn't thinking this through. I really wasn't thinking <laughs> this through. <laughs> right. Like, how the fuck could I forget forget that? Like, oh my god. Well, I thought about it, but in my mind, I was like, really, the key part was the Pokemon Game Boy game. Because that's all I would do is you could play it on, you know, the TV that way, which was great. And then you could, you know, for big battles, pull it over and fight stuff. And it was really fun. I loved it at the time. Uh, I haven't played the newest Pokemon. I don't have a Switch. I could, I think about getting one all the time just to try it out. But I hear so many mixed reviews these days. But anyway, Pokemon Snap, my number five, because it was just so uh, crazy. Um And then the only other thing I haven't mentioned that it's an honorable mention. I mean, I had Torok, you know, I I remember playing a lot of that, but also Mario Party. Like the Nintendo 64 was the like king of the multiplayer games and Mario Party was just fun. Like you would get a whole bunch of people over and play Mario Party and it was just a good time. I really enjoyed it. I had more fun with Mario Party with the GameCube, though. Uh, Yeah, I think they just kept getting better. I never tried them after 64. But I, yeah, I never had a GameCube either, though. I loved GameCube. I, I, I think I still have mine somewhere. I borrowed my friends to play Pikmin because it looks so much fun, and I enjoyed Pikmin a lot. But that's the only GameCube game I, I know anything about. Yeah, like I think what what did I play on GameCube? Uh, uh, True Crime Streets of L.A. and True Crime Streets of New York, and then they had the uh, Herbs Sims in the City. That was another one oh, yeah. I had. I remember the herbs. I, yeah. I was a big fan of the Sims, so. <laughs> Me too. I used to play that on, on on PlayStation when it came out. Right. I actually have it on PS4, and I try to play it, but I'm too obsessed with trophies. So, like, you know, modern games have all the trophies and achievements. And so there's one trophy in the Sims 4 to play through 26 generations in one mm. household. And I'm on generation, like, five. And I'm like, holy shit, this is going to take so long. <laughs> like, I'm, like, like, there's no way. <laughs> 
So I might I might have to get the the PlayStation because it seems like all my my Xbox friends are going to PlayStation now and right. I'm, I'm so devastated because it's like I, I'm losing everybody. It's like a, it's like a, a travesty. Like I'm like, how dare you guys? How dare you? I love it because I've always been Team PlayStation. Uh, so I'm glad everyone's come back over. You know, now we'll see the, the next to. generation. I don't hate Xbox. I would probably get another one, but my username is A to the Mo and not A to the Mo, and it annoys me enough that I just don't even mess with it. <laughs> no, I might have to because it just seems like there's something wrong with their, you know, their online st- server. Because every time I go to play GTA Five, it's just like, you know, you can't get on right now, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm paying freaking ten eighty eight a month for my freaking subscription, and I can't get online, like. Right, yeah. That would be annoying for sure. Um, it is annoying. I think about re-downloading Grand Theft Auto all the time. I Like when I see like a YouTube video pop up of like something crazy someone did, I'm like, oh, I love that game. How has it been like six years since that game come out? It's crazy. They need to come out with a new one, honestly. I, I can't wait anymore. But I do play online. I, I do. I go on Twitch and I, I play online sometimes. Hell yeah. Um, not not anytime recent since I decided to become a business owner and shit, but you know, I'll get back in it. <laughs> right. I'm trying to look up how and I'm sure if I'd done a good day of research I could of how to grab my screen and show it on Twitch so I can do like live beat making. Because I have some friends that come over and they enjoy watching me make beats. And I'm like, well, I bet someone else out there would watch that as well. But I don't know what screen capture device I need. And if oh, I need- you don't need a screen capture device. I got a little fix for that. I'll tell you behind the scenes because this ain't no free jewels, y'all. No oh, free jewels. Hell yeah. Only for, only for Mo. Only for Mo. That's why she's on here. All right. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Glad we got to do a top five list. Um, you know, I'll, I'll come on yours whenever if needed, of course. And we'll have you back in the future to talk about any big news you ever have going on. Of course, I, I would appreciate it. And, and you know, I, I appreciate you for having me on. You're like my first. I'm sorry, CJ, if you're tuned in. I'm sorry, Promised Land, if you're tuned in. Uh, <laughs> I'm the first. No, I'm, I'm not the first. I'm like the second, I think, or the third. <laughs> right. Well, I have a hundred and something episodes. You know, they're just starting out. I, I earned it. That's you what earned I it. I'm like an episode, like, I'm season four, episode 11. I don't even know how many that is it's like over 50 i think yeah i'm not even close i'm not even close to you um how many do you do you do one podcast a week right i do one podcast a week and then how many episodes do you do in a season normally 12 12 cool cool well anyway everyone go check out uh minx radio and the minx show podcast that's how you'll find it on podcast apps and uh, you have interviews with people and you normally play some songs and uh, talk about some business insider sort of stuff and so, I go off. I go off. I rant and I, I talk shit. That's that's what we do here. Right. And you're also <laughs> a good follow on Twitter at Female Producer because you'll call people out for stuff. Uh, if someone's uh, all trying to sell you on buying their promo service when they have one follower lock their stuff or whatever, you'll you'll. I'm exposing scams daily. That's the plan. We want to get all of these people out of here. All these fake promo companies, all these people just trying to like steal money and ideas from people. If it's happened to you, it's happened to me, it's happened to a lot of people. Now we have the platforms to expose them. Well, hell yeah. And then you have a website you're working on, like you said, but you got to call GoDaddy. But eventually that might be up as well. And I think that's minxradio.com, right? Yeah, Minx Radio, it it was totally rebranded and it's just time to take control I rebranded it because I just didn't want advertisers to keep making money off of my my traffic. So now I own everything. Well, hell yeah. That's the way you got to do it. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Thank you. Peace.
Quakes Beats. Beats.